At the outset, nothing in this podcast should be interpreted as legal advice. Further, the views or opinions expressed in this podcast do not represent those of the university. Please email campbelllawreporter at email.campbell.edu for any media inquiries and third-party distributions. Welcome to the Campbell Law Reporter Podcast. This legal podcast strives to expand Campbell University's mission to lead with purpose by reporting with purpose. We hope to breathe new life into the dusty reporters on the shelves by reporting the content through captivating discussions. Our mission is to provide current and interesting reporting on legal topics affecting today's professionals. Listeners can expect to hear from various hosts throughout the year. Welcome to this episode of the Campbell Law Reporter. My name is Shannon Lackey, your host for today. In this episode, I am joined by Judge Allegra Collins of the North Carolina Court of Appeals. Our episode discusses what judges look for in a law clerk, specifically what personality traits are most helpful for the position, and some red flags on an application. Hi, and thank you for joining us at the Campbell Law Reporter. My name is Shannon Lackey, your host for today. I am joined by Judge Allegra Collins of the North Carolina Court of Appeals, and we're going to discuss what most judges look for in their law clerk. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So we're going to start this episode. Uh, if you would just want to give a little background of yourself and include anything education-wise, work history, and how you became involved in your current field. Sure. I'm a proud Campbell Law grad. I graduated in 2006 when we were down in Bowie's Creek. Before that, I was a graduate of the College of William & Mary, and I started out at UCLA. And I grew up in Northern Virginia. After law school, I went to clerk for the Honorable Judge Linda Stevens on the North Carolina Court of Appeals, and I was with her for four years. And then I moved over to the Supreme Court in their appellate reporter's office for four years, and then I started my own appellate law practice. And during that time, I was fortunate to get to teach legal research and writing here at Campbell and loved doing that. I did that from 2012 until 2015 when I took over as the interim legal writing director here. And then I took over the next year as the externship director before being elected to the bench just this past January. Well, so, congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. I've been involved in appellate law from the beginning, really, of my law school career. And that's really how I became involved in both clerking and judging. You covered that you were a law clerk for a number of years. What were you nervous about when applying to become a law clerk? I think the thing that a lot of students think of is that it is a prestigious job and it's difficult to get. So sometimes students self-select themselves not to apply. Mm -hmm. And I would really encourage students not to do that. Judges and justices are looking for all kinds of different skills. Obviously, most importantly, legal research analysis and writing. But you also have to be a good fit with your judge, personality-wise and interest-wise. And there's really, there are a lot of judges and justices who need clerks. And so... I would encourage anybody interested in doing so to apply. What do you think made you stand out from your other applicants when you applied? I think the fact that I did a lot of writing in law school. I was a legal writing scholar as a second and third year. I participated in moot court. I took the writing classes, and I really focused on the appellate side. Mm -hmm. And I think that was helpful. I also took a course called Judicial Writing, and that was certainly an excellent introduction to being a law clerk, and one of the classes that my judge specifically asked about was that one. Oh, great. And when I left to become a judge, I started judicial writing up again because it had lapsed here, and so it's a course that I offer here at Campbell to try and prepare students to be clerks um, in our courts. 
Well, that's great. With that being said, what are some of the things that you know you absolutely need? And besides what you had already mentioned was that you need to be able to read and write right. with legal research in mind. Right. That's what we do at the court. We read and we write all day. A lot of it is pretty solitary. We do discuss cases, but a lot of it is writing on your own. So if you're interested in clerking, getting the most experience writing is the most important thing you can do, whether it's moot court or law journal or taking advanced legal writing. Externing and interning in our courts is really almost imperative now. Mm-hmm. It's not just the learning to write, but it's meeting the people who might be able to hire you and getting those networking opportunities is really important. And citation is important. Mm. And being able to read and analyze things quickly and consolidate your thinking. So all of those skills all the things we do every day mm-hmm. as law students, all the things we do as lawyers and judges, they're all important. And the more you work on them, the better you are going to be able to serve your judge. Great. And so independent working a lot of the times you said. So not always what we have here in that you can bounce ideas off each other with that one. I imagine there's an opportunity to that, but perhaps much more limited than yeah. what we get here at law school. Well, there is definitely opportunity and law clerks work together. Each judge at the Court of Appeals has two law clerks and an administrative assistant, or sometimes they use the administrative assistant as a clerk, Mm -hmm. which I do. So we have three who can bounce ideas off of each other. We also often have interns and externs, and they can bounce ideas off each other. And I, of course, am interested in bouncing ideas as well. So (laughs) there's always the opportunity, but there's also the need Mm -hmm. to have a lot of time to be able to write on your own. Beyond that, just personality traits, do you specifically look for in selecting? So I can think probably one that's independent is a good one just in all the aspects of their life. But are there any other things that you know that you need just as in a person? Sure. We spend a lot of time together in very close quarters. So somebody that I enjoy spending a lot of time with is important. Somebody with a sense of humor, Mm -hmm. somebody who likes to laugh, somebody with a lot of energy because our caseload is very heavy, Mm -hmm. and someone with a very keen interest in appellate law and the issues because that's where the fun is for us. It's not a whole lot of outside fun and Mm -hmm. trips and field trips and things. It's really if you enjoy the analysis and enjoy writing, then that's something that I look for. Do you think there is anything on the opposite side of that, like red flags that you want to avoid when you see an application? And I imagine probably typos is a big one when you have to be super detail oriented and all of your work comprises of accurately researching and writing. But are there any other things that you see on application that you stamp it as something that's kind of a warning and that it may not be the best fit for them? So... I shook my head vigorously at typos. (laughs) Typos on cover letters, typos on writing samples, typos on resumes are definitely red flags. We are pretty detail-oriented. And just a lack of writing, Mm -hmm. a lack of writing opportunity is something that I know that might not be a good fit because we don't have a whole lot of time to ramp up clerks. Our cases never stop. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't just a whole, there isn't a honeymoon period where you get to get used to it. You jump in and you have all the cases on your desk and you move forward. So it's not really an entry level writing job. What types of previous experience do you think benefit that application? So you mentioned a lot of writing opportunity. Is there anything else that you think would match or, or transition rather from one to the other? Because I know until a lot of students get to law school, they don't always have that opportunity to work. So is there any other background experience or perhaps a job that's similar to this that you think would be able to transition easily? Well, that's interesting. When I look at the clerks who are at our court, you see a really wide variety of backgrounds. I have a clerk right now who had practiced for eight years Mm -hmm. before coming back and clerking. I have a clerk who just graduated Campbell and just passed the bar. And I have one who did 
a little bit of practice and then a little bit of work. So I have a wide variety mm-hmm. um, and I see other judges have that as well. Mm-hmm. So background experience is always helpful any type of experience that you bring. And yet students that come straight out of law school and bring the writing analysis are helpful too. So it's hard to pinpoint mm-hmm. who's going to be perfect because I think there are a lot of different perfects. The important part is to prepare yourself to be able to write And you said this isn't entry level, but you still have people that are right out of law school that have that experience. Do you think there's a timestamp that you're able to place or no when it comes to that level experience? Because of course, when you look at jobs to apply for, sometimes that's a requirement between zero to five, five to 10. I mean, that's categorizing it, of course, but that exists and it's not necessarily something you see all the time for the clerk position. So do you think there's a time frame, or do you think it really does depend on where you're coming from as far as your background? It's a great question because it really used to be that the typical path was law school clerkship for one or two years and then move on to a firm or some other type of job. And I think we're a lot more non-traditional now. Mm -hmm. Again, I have a law clerk who's been out practicing at a very high level in New York City, would like to come back to North Carolina, would like to be in appellate law. And this is his entry back into this opportunity. You see it both ways. And when I say it's not entry-level writing, it is in the sense that it might be your first job out of law school. Mm -hmm. But what you have to do in law school and prior to law school, if you have the opportunity, is amass the legal research writing and analysis skills that are going to help you be able to contribute when you start. Of course, you're going to get better the more you do it. And it is a great place to start out of law school. And I could not have started in a better chamber's with Judge Linda Stevens as a mentor, I'm sure that my first writing is <laughs> right. not something I would want to read now because <laughs> you you know you always improve. It is an opportunity to improve, but you do have to be able to come and bring the ability from the beginning. Well, I've had the experience of meeting so many people that enjoy that position that they don't necessarily want to leave it after one or two years. That was my perception too, was the traditional role in that. So when I had a professor that said I had been clerking for 10 plus years, I was actually quite surprised and saying, well, wow, like, that must not be the job I have in my mind. And so it's kind of cool that you get to work in that background, even within the same position, you're having such a diverse area of expertise. Sure. And let me just qualify. Some do come for a year, Mm -hmm. some come for two, and some say as career clerks. So definitely have friends who have been at the Court of Appeals for 10, 12 or more years. Mm -hmm. Also at the Supreme Court, you get better at your craft, right? Right. And you're able to mentor those who come behind you. And it is a fabulous job. I think everybody who clerks say it's their favorite job. And I'd be one of those. Well, I imagine the type of work that you get to participate in isn't the same every time it comes in, especially at the appellate level, it's not going to be the same steps. And for it to get to you, somebody had to have disagreed with the standard. So, so I imagine that's probably a very exciting environment. And you mentioned earlier that you said that you like your law clerk to have a sense of humor. Do you think, as far as getting to know, because you are, like you said, in close quarters, long hours, time together, do you think that relationship works better if they're able to relate to another and be able to extend that? And I know this might differ based on like what you personally prefer. For other judges, it might be different. But for you, do you think a closer relationship is better? Do you prefer arm's length or more strictly professional and very formal relationship? But I feel like I know the answer to this one. We're not strictly formal in my chambers. We enjoy each other's company. I adore them each personally, and I'm interested in not only their professional careers, but also their personal life as well. And so we work well together professionally, and we're very serious about what we do. But we also spend time to enjoy each other Mm -hmm. outside of chambers. And I didn't have any set idea going into it. Right. That's just how it's evolved. And I enjoy it very much. But I can understand that other chambers are more at arm's length and that mm-hmm. works for them as well. 
teach their own essentially exactly. there. Kind of expanding on that before we wrap up. So you're applying, you want to be a law clerk. Is there a way to reach out to the judge that you're hoping to work for in a way that doesn't appear, I don't want to use the word desperate, but it doesn't appear too needy in that you want to see if that relationship is going to work ahead of time instead of kind of just giving your application, here's the me on black and white, and you might be able to tell who I am based off of this, maybe not. Do you think there's like, I don't know, coffee date or something like that, do you think allows that communication? And of course, judges are very busy. So I want to know what your thoughts are essentially and how do you think that relationship can start even before your application begins? And it's not obviously a guarantee, but to see if that relationship can become a little bit more one-on-one before it's arm's length forever. First of all, at our Court of Appeals and our Supreme Court in North Carolina, we don't have a set way to apply for a clerkship. We're working on it. I'm very excited that we're hoping to get an online system so that students and attorneys know when there are openings. Right now, it's a little bit of a blind, just send in a resume and an application and and hope it works. Right. And that's very difficult because if no matter how good your application is, no matter how wonderful I know you would be, if I don't have an opening, Mm I don't have an opening, mm-hmm. right? And so it would be nice to be able for you to know when I will. And I think we will get there. As far as being able to tell whether personalities are going to click, one way is to volunteer okay. and do it as an externship or an internship. If you graduate and pass the bar and you don't have a job, mm-hmm. reach out. Judges often would like to have your help, whether it's site checking or writing a bench memo or anything that goes on at chambers. Even if it's for a few hours a week, that often can help. Gotcha. Judges are busy and coffee is probably not the best way. Okay. Because if we were to accept every coffee proposal, we might uh-huh. not have as much time to do the work as we would like to. So I think, you know, there are bar events that okay. judges are often attending. And so those kinds of networking events are a good idea. Go to the court, watch oral argument, see how the judge interacts with the litigants. Is that a type of personality that you think might click? Take opportunities to see the judge in his or her working environment Mm -hmm. without taking time away right? and get involved in the court itself. I think that might be the best way to do it. I haven't thought about it. I feel kind of dumb now, but of course that makes the most sense. That's to see the professional capacity. Of course, that's not really a window into what goes on while you guys are working those long hours with (laughs) a sense of humor, hopefully. But there is no doubt to being able to read into a personality based off of an opinion or something like that as far as observing the proceedings. I think it's easier to tell where people land on that formal versus informal type of working relationship. But I think that's great advice and one I hadn't thought about. And you said you're Campbell alum. I am. am. (laughs) And we ask all of our guests here to let us know what they think leading with purpose is. And that is, of course, in furtherance of Campbell University's mission statement. So what do you think leading with purpose? I think that the plain meaning Uh (laughs) of leading with purpose is really, I think, to have in mind some goals and to work toward those goals methodically, mm-hmm. honestly, and purposefully. And I also think that the leading with purpose subsumes helping others, and whether it's public service, whether it's pro bono, whether it is some type of giving back to the school and to the community at large. And so I think that I'm very thankful for my Campbell time as a student and my Campbell time as a professor. Right. And I think that it has instilled in me a desire 
to lead with purpose and to, to give back to the community. Well, I can think with any type of interaction anyone here has had with you is that you're doing that every day. So I thank you so much for thank joining you. us on this episode. And I hope that you have a great weekend. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please go and rate us five stars on the Apple Podcast app and look for more episodes on any of our other platforms. Thank you for listening to the Campbell Law Reporter Podcast. We look forward to you joining us every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. for a new episode, which can be accessed through your preferred podcasting listening platform.